All right, so I'm going to let y'all pick this morning. Are you ready? Okay, so we have, um, let's see here. Uh, we have John 11. Uh, we also have um, uh, 1 Samuel 17. And then we have 1 Kings 18. I'm going to let you pick this morning. 1 Samuel. It's a trick question. I'm going everywhere. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm doing it all. How dare you think I would let you pick my sermon this morning? Absolutely not. No, I'm, I'm going to touch all of it. So this is going to be a crash course. It's going to, there's going to be a lot happening this morning. Are you ready? Okay. So I want to paint this picture. You've heard it. I mentioned it even last week. Uh, Pastor Mark was texting me just a minute ago, and I have to show you this picture because um, it's quite hilarious. Maybe you can see it. He texts me, and he says to me, blessing you, enjoy, and thank you. Hello and hello for us. I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> so I just reply back, love you, because he must be overjoyed on whatever he's doing. And then he sends a picture, and I don't know if you can see this, but he is with, um, he, he's with who, Goofy? That's what I said. So I sent back, well, Goofy found Goofy. And he sent back to me, well, it's Pluto, actually, but the same. And I replied to him, well, I was too poor to have a TV as a kid and Walt Disney smoked so he wasn't holy enough to be in the Wallace household. And he replied, ah, ha, ha, ha. That's the kind of conversation your pastor has with me. <laughs> and, and then he calls me and makes me cry a lot. Does he call you guys and make you cry sometimes? Golly, he's so good at that. All right. I, wanna, I want you to picture this with me. We're going to go on a little journey together this morning, right? And what I hope is that your faith will be increased when you leave this room. That's, that is my hope, that when you walk out of these doors, if, if you're at a three or four, I would pray that the Holy Spirit would just touch your heart. You'd be at an eight or nine or a 10. I don't know what scale it is, but 10 is kind of where I tap out. So let's just say 10, right? Imagine with me that, uh, again, I, I want to stress it with you. It's super important that you get this. In John 11, this is where we find the story of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and Jesus. There is a deep deep relationship that Mary, Martha, Lazarus have with Jesus. He spends time there. He takes rest there. It is it is incredibly close relationship. We know the story. Lazarus gets sick, right? So Mary, Martha, send word to Jesus and say, you need to come because the one whom you love is sick. Now, they didn't say, you know, the guy that lives in our house that you see, he said, the one you love. I mean, it is a distinction there. This brother is deep relationship. Well, Jesus waits. He does not go immediately. The disciples are like, what are you doing? Because you know he's sick. And back then, if you got sick, y'all know just like 200 years ago, if you got diarrhea, you were just going to die. Did y'all know that? Y'all didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, if you, got, if you got diarrhea back in the day, that's a wrap for you. You are done. They didn't, have, they didn't have no emodium to help you. Thank God for CVS. Amen. So, so now Lazarus is sick. That's a good thing for y'all to Google. How long ago could you die from diarrhea? May the Lord bless you as you Google. 
Now, maybe you'll be on a game show one day, and they'll ask you, how long ago could you die? You'll win a million dollars, and you better send me half of it. Why am I Googling stuff like that? It don't matter. Jesus waits. His disciples question him. They're like, why aren't you going right away? Like, why aren't we headed there? He said, this is not going to lead to death. I mean, he, he has this whole conversation. Then he shows up. He gets there. Martha runs out to him, falls into his chest. This is just how I see it in my mind. And, and I can just see her angry with Jesus, just having a human moment. She's just hitting Jesus on the chest. This is my Martha. It may not be your Martha, but this is what my Martha is doing. And she's like, Lord, if you had just been here, he would not have died. But then she calms herself. She collects herself. And then she says in a moment of just solid, clear thought, she just says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from the Lord, he will give you. And she is not saying to him, I know that you're here to raise him up from the dead. Because in her mind, he's dead and gone already. He's been in the tomb how many days? Four days. If you've been dead four days, you are officially dead. This dude was dead. And so Jesus said, well, you know your brother's going to live again. And her response further lets us know that she was not anywhere believing that Lazarus was gonna about to get up out of that grave because she said... I know he's going to live again in the last day, in that great resurrection morning. I know he's going to get up then. And then Jesus pauses for a moment, leans in and says, I thought you knew me. We've broken bread together. I thought you knew me. Do you know what he said to her? He said, honey, I am the resurrection. Oh, that's the most boss man thing Jesus ever said. I just want to kick this table over. He said, I am. And, and what that scripture says to me and what he said to them is that he is about to introduce himself to Martha in a way that she has never seen before. The hope for us is we've not seen all of his power. We've not seen all of his glory. We've not seen him in his fullness. And there is yet room for us to discover more of who Jesus is. But he did die, didn't he, Lazarus? He did die. He had to go through the process of death, didn't he? And he was raised up again, powerful. And his story is still being told today. I grant you, I promise you, in some Kojic church this morning, Church of God in Christ, Lazarus is getting preached today. I will promise you that. Yes, sir. And I'm telling you right now, it's happening. His story is still being talked about today. Do you realize that there had to be a tragedy in his life for a testimony to be in his life? Right? Now, last week, we talked about the three Hebrew boys. Do you remember? He got, they got put in the fire. Were all here? Who was here last week? Just wave at me. Okay, a few of y'all were here. I don't know what y'all were doing over in that whole section. None of y'all came to church last week? Not one of y'all was here last week? What was y'all doing? What, what were you doing? Oh, well. Uh, what you want me to say to that? Like... Well, we also encountered some Holy Spirit around here last week. That was good. Shabahando. This is what we know, that he died. They waited, and they mourned. They went through everything that we experience in our life. 
Lazarus died. They had to wait and they mourned. They experienced all those things. We know that he lived again. We know that many believed and still believe his story today. And here's the question. Are we willing to suffer so that others can believe? Are we willing to walk through hard times so that others can see Jesus in our life? Just like last week, the three Hebrew boys went in there. And, and um, what was his name? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He stepped up and he said, did we not throw three men in the fire? He, he said, but I, I see four men walking around in the fire. And this is what struck me as very important. Just if you could have a recap of what we lost, talked about last week. It never says in the scriptures that the three Hebrew boys saw the fourth man. The, the only one that is recorded as seeing the fourth man was the one that didn't even believe the fourth man existed. So in our life, let us go through the struggles so that Jesus can be famous. In our life, let us walk in such a way. Amen. <clears throat> now, I want to I turn your attention to to something real quick. Now that's John 11. How was that? It was pretty good. A lot of times in our life, we, we want to enter a season and this is, this is the, um, the negotiation that happens between us and the Lord. Like, Lord, if you do, I will do. Lord, if you will help me get out of debt, I will start to tithe. If, if you will help me with this, I will do this. That, isn't that the truth? Because we have some sort of a theology that we're at the negotiating table with God and we are negotiating a path with him. And we're negotiating a journey with him. And here's what I know. If I could take this microphone and pass it around to any one of you, you could all tell me of the difficulties that you have walked through in your life. There, there is no shortage of difficulty in life because life, this life is full of disappointment, heartache, hardship. This life is full of that. With Jesus, without Jesus, life is going to be hard. Amen. But what if you are with Jesus... And what if your desire is to serve him? And what if there are things on the inside of you that when you begin to think about moments of ministry, you begin to think about moments of prayer, you look at people in the scriptures and, and there's a part of you that pulls to your heart and you're like, Lord, I want to grow. I want to do more. I want to accomplish more. Do we have any of those folks in the room? I want to turn your attention into 1 Samuel 17. And this is where we find David. And David... He is, he is uh, at this moment still at his daddy's house. He is still um, uh, serving the sheep out in the field. But let me tell you, there's something else he's doing out in the field. He is also out there worshiping. He, he's also out there praying. He's also out there contemplating. He's also out there doing all kinds of things. And at this time in his life, do you know what else he's doing? This rascal was also anointed to be king of Israel. Help me now. He shows up to his daddy's house and his dad said, this is all in 1 Samuel 17. If you don't believe me, you can go read it. I'm just, this is, I'm paraphrasing. If I were to write a Bible, this is how I'd do it. 
Thank God I'm not writing Bibles. So 1 Samuel 17, his, uh, his daddy says to him, hey, your brothers are in battle. I want you to take some water, cheese, bread, some milk, eggs, whatever they got. Right, here's, take a care package down to your brothers. Here's something else important for you to know. The scripture describes David as ruddy. Um, we would describe him in the south as the runt of the litter, the smallest one, the weakest one. Like, can't even pick up the sword because it's too heavy. just drags it behind him. It's, that's the kind of image that, that I, I see when I think of David, small, ruddy, right? Yeah, this is good. <clears throat> he said, I want, you to take, I want you to take this down to your brothers. And he shows up to where his brothers are in battle. And this is the image that he walks into. This is the scene. You've got the Philistines on one side on a hill. You've got the army of, of uh, uh, Israel over here. And in the middle, you have a giant of a man. Good old southern terms. He was a brute of a brute. Just a huge, giant man named Goliath. He's massive. <clears throat> his armor is heavier than what we could even pick up. The tip of his spear was like over 40 pounds. I mean, this was a, just a monster of a man. And this guy is yelling obscenities, not only to the army of Israel, but to the God of Israel. And David, the most least qualified person in the world, he don't even have a sword on his body. He gets completely irate. He's like, what is going on here? Somebody needs to go out there and take care of this joker. And you may ask yourself, well, that's a lot of big talk coming from a little dude. Right? What in the world would give this little dude so much confidence? What in the world would make this little guy so spunky? Well, let me tell you what else he was doing out in the field when he's out there praying, worshiping. He was also killing bears. Huh? You heard what I said. He's killing the bear. And my boy is also out there killing lions because he's protecting. You tell me now, listen, have you ever been to the zoo? Have you ever, listen to what I'm saying. Have you ever been to the zoo? When we lived in Chicago, one of the greatest, I loved going down to the Lincoln Park Zoo. It's free. You just walk in there and see all the animals. You from Chicago? You're taking me to lunch today. Praise God. <laughs> I'm joking, my brother. So at right when you walk past where the uh, sea lions are, you can walk, turn right around the corner, and right there are the lions. And they've got this huge glass partition that is from the ground about 10 foot up, and that's where they usually have two big old male lions that are just laying there. Huge. And, bro, they are just bigger than you can imagine. Now, I know those are African lions, but in my mind, those are the lions that David's killing, right? Because it's my Bible. I can write it how I want to. Okay? But even if it's a mountain lion, have you ever seen a mountain lion? Those aren't little kitty cats. Those are natural-born killing machines. And this small, ruddy boy, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him. And he was able to do what in his flesh he was unable to do. I'm going to tell you something. You go around killing lions and bears, there's a little bit of confidence that's going to build in you. 
right? But here's the spiritual application. You will never be ready to face Goliath until you are able to kill the small lions and the small bears in your life. Everybody wants to fight Goliath. We want, we want that Goliath fight, but we won't even be qualified to get on the battlefield with that rascal until we build some confidence by taking over smaller enemies that are in our life. And little by little, as the Spirit of God helps us, we are able to overcome. Amen, somebody. Now, have you had some small lions and small bears in your life that you've been able to kill? Isn't that powerful, that maturity that happens, that things that used to bring you down, now you're just like, no, the Spirit of God is just, it's, it's, I've come too far to turn back now, that type of thing. Amen. Now, this small, ruddy boy, are y'all still with me? Okay, some of y'all are looking at me like, which is fine. I'm a lot. But are we good? Are we tracking? Still be here with me. You've got the Philistines over here. You've got the... Children of Israel over here, you've got Goliath down in the middle. You've got a whole mess going on. And here comes just old little David. And little David is just fired up. And he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Right? I'll go take care of this. And, and everybody's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. And they take him to Saul, the king. Saul was a big dude, right? He was 6'4". He's not a small guy. He was a big guy. And they tried to put his army, uh, his armor on David. And it just, can you imagine, just like almost like a little boy wearing his daddy's coat, how weird it looked. And he was like, I can't fight with this. I, I've, listen, I'm, let me just go. I'm going out here. And this is something that you may also need to know about little David. Is little David gets out here and he starts talking trash to Goliath. What? Listen, I'm going to tell you, I got a great story where I got beat up. Heather hates it when I tell the story. So out of honor for her, I'm not going to tell this story. But I used to fight a lot. <laughs> I will tell you the story. So I was just kidding. I won't, I, won't, I won't do it. I won't do it. I promise. I won't. I love my wife. I love her too good. <clears throat> She's sitting here today. So y'all be thankful for that. And that's my wife right here. And y'all believe I did that? What? Come on, Jesus. <clears throat> so he... <laughs> I, I give a class, so it's $39 a month for a few months, and I'll get you hooked up too. Praise God. So David is out here talking just trash, you know? And this Philistine is like, I'm going to... The birds are going to eat on your flesh. I mean, he's just yelling all this stuff. And just imagine the Philistine, will you? This rascal Goliath has been trained to fight from the moment he could pick up a sword. He was absolutely bred for this. He was just a, a killing machine. Just absolutely, there was no chance. Would you agree? There's no chance. There's zero chance, right? There's zero chance. For all the men in the room, we know. If you've got a big old giant man, you don't fist fight that joker. You either shoot him or stab him. That's it. You don't, you don't fool around. Don't let, that, don't, don't let that joker get a hold of you in the back. If he gets a hold of you, game over. It's it. I don't care how good you are. Conor McGregor gets squashed up by a big old dude. It's just how it goes. 
as my son says, mass moves mass, right? So pick you up and throw you down. There is no physical way that David is winning this fight, right? Can we all agree with that? There is no human way this little dude is going to come up here and kill Goliath. He can't even reach his, his head. He's just jumping up and he's like, he can't do it. And, and David is yelling out at this guy. He's telling him, I'm about to kill you. I'm about to do. And why would he have such confidence not only had he had experiences in, 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 in small wins in his life, but y'all, this joker was already anointed to be king. He's standing there, anointed, but not positioned. He was anointed, but he hadn't taken his position yet. He was anointed to be king, but he wasn't king yet. So he knew already, God said, I'm going to be king, and I'm not king yet, so I must already know that this battle I'm about to fight is not going to kill me, because God is not going to lie to me. So I already know I'm anointed. I already know that God has promised it to me. I haven't seen it yet, so this battle that I'm facing today is not going to be the, the final one that I fight. And, and this is where I want to get a bit preachy. This is where if I had an organ, I would get just, I would get crazy in here. Sometimes the battles that we face, that joker went from a nobody to 1,000% famous in a moment. The Saul was asking his, uh, his leaders, who is this boy? Who is this? And the response is, surely, Lord, I do not know. I don't even know who this is. Imagine it. He went from nothing, a nobody, and that was the moment that God used something that he could not do in his own flesh that was the moment that he stood there and he looked across the field and he seized an opportunity because there was something rising up in him that he felt like, man, this is nothing but a big bear. This is nothing but a big lion. And he said to Goliath, you come against me with the spear and the sword, but I'm stepping against you in the name of the Lord. Because had David been able to kill him without the Spirit of God on him, it wouldn't have been a big deal. See, your battle has got to be way bigger than you can handle. <laughs> if, if, oh, I'm telling you right now, there's some of y'all in this room that are facing things. We all are facing things that are much bigger than what we can handle. What a great opportunity for God to show up. Right? What a great opportunity for him to get all the glory. What a great opportunity for us to talk about how great God has been in our life. What a great opportunity. What a great opportunity. Mm. Mm. 
going one more. We ready? <laughs> I don't know how to take that. She was like, <sighs> like, Lord, good God. <laughs> hey, it's <laughs> Oh, you got to go to the back row. You're too loud to be on the front row. Can I read something to y'all? Y'all got to read this. We're going to go with me to 1 Kings 18. Y'all just have to see this. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> 1 Kings 18. I, I'm reading the, um, well, what am I reading? The ESV, English Standard Version. Okay. Now, there's a little bit of setup here, but there's context in the scripture, so it's going to fill in the blanks as we read, okay? 1 Kings 18. Now, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went and showed himself to Ahab. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now listen, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them 50 in one cave and, uh, and, excuse me, and hid them by 50s in a cave, excuse me, and then fed them with bread and water. So Jezebel's just out here killing prophets of the Lord. And there's a famine. For years, there's been a famine. It's, a, it's in a bad way. Jezebel's out here killing the voice of the Lord. There's a famine. It's just awful times. And all of a sudden, here comes Elijah. And Ahab said to Obadiah, verse 5, Go through the land to all the springs of water and have all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules, and not to lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in the other direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? And then he answered him, It is I. Go tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. And y'all don't even know how of what kind of a boss man statement that is and he said how have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me as the Lord uh, your God lives there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you and where they would say he is not here he would take in the oath of the kingdom of our nation that they had not been found you excuse me and now you say go tell that Elijah is here and as soon as I have gone from you the spirit of the Lord will carry you I know not where. And so, where I come to tell Ahab, he cannot find you. The Lord will kill me. Excuse me, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from your youth. He, excuse me, has it not, my eyes are just crossing up here. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. 
Now, I know I've bumbled through some of this, but there's, there's basically Elijah's going to be a dead man. They've been searching for that rascal to kill him, right? There's a massive famine. In the, in the midst of all this, Jezebel's killing all the prophets. It's just a whole mess that's going on. And when Ahab, excuse me, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab, isn't that crazy? My guy's calling them out. That's what he's doing. He's calling them out. One man calling them out. So listen. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Probably because they've been seeing Jezebel cutting off heads. Right? I ain't saying nothing. This crazy heifer's killing people. <laughs> then Elijah said to people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men since the sarcasm. Let two bulls be given to us. And let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And when you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Now, that's a crazy situation. He's saying, give all the prophets of Baal a bull. I'm going to take me a bull, and we're about to have us a barbecue. Hmm? And whichever God answers by fire, that's the one we'll be serving. Now, I don't know, y'all. That just, that just seems like a, a, a man's man, doesn't it? He's standing up against all odds, and he said, I'm telling you what we're going to do. We're going to pray. What a novel idea. And whichever God answers, that's the, that's the one. Family, in this day and time that we live in, there's all kind of people telling us all kinds of things. They're telling us, and I've said it last week, what we can say, what we can't say. Telling what, what, we, what we can call people, what we can't call people. We got to use the right pronouns. I'm from South Georgia. I hardly know any pronouns. <laughs> right? We're in, a, we're in a season where we're arguing the, the gender of men and women. We're, we're in a season where there is mass confusion. Right? And, and family, listen, I have great sympathy for people who are confused inside their own bodies. I have great sympathy for that. I'm not hating on anybody. I, don't, that, I think that's ignorant. But I think we should draw them close and love on them. 
I think we should talk to them a whole lot. And I, because this is what I know. The scripture says that love covers a multitude. Isn't that what it says? That love covers. So I, we will be known how we love one another. That's what Jesus said, right? It's very important. But this brother's calling people out. There's mass confusion back then. There's mass confusion today. Can you agree with me? So he's like, let's do a barbecue. <laughs> let's go verse 25. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose yourself one bull and prepare it first. You are many. Listen to sarcasm. If you don't use sarcasm correctly, you got to. Listen to what he's saying. Clearly he's being sarcastic. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to see this. He said, you are so many. Oh, there's so many of you. Pick yourself a bull, right? You are so many. Call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. This is what they did. And they took the bull that it was given. They prepared it. They called upon the name of Baal. From morning until noon. Huh? That, that's a good, that's half a work day, fam. I don't know if you're following me, but they're out there hollering for half a day. Okay. And when's the last time you prayed from morning till noon about anything? I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying that's commitment. So they were committed to it. You see these people marching today. They committed to it. People talking about it today will stand toe-to-toe, scream in your face. They are committed to it. Right? Does it sound a, a little political, what I'm saying? It shouldn't. It's just common sense. Right? I may never be asked to come back. And this is what they said from morning until noon. Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. And no one answered. I, now, before, before, I, before I say anything else, there is a great emptiness and disappointment in their life at this moment right now. Because they have been called out. There's been a challenge issued. And they fully believe that when they pray, fires are coming. You have to imagine the disappointment and anger and frustration. Do you realize there are people in our midst today, in, in this world today, that are fully committed to something that has no voice and it is not going to answer them? Are y'all hearing me? Mm. And no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, what's it say? Elijah mocked them. I'm immediately friends with Elijah. I've, I've just immediately friends with this dude. Because he's like, I've had enough of this. Look, cry louder. That's what he says. Cry louder. For he is a God. Either he is Using or is he, maybe he's relieving himself. (laughs) 
He is. I didn't say it. He said it. Maybe he's going to take a little tink tink. Maybe. Can you imagine? All right. Listen now. Let's just look at each other. Let's just look at each other. Let's just be human for a minute. There's 450 out here hollering and crying. And there is one man hollering back. Maybe your God is going to the restroom. <laughs> this dude is out of his mind. I'll tell you, I'm hanging out with this bro. We need him to go get in some trouble one of these days. Either he's relieving himself, maybe he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and he needs to be awakened. And they cried out, listen, watch this, and cut themselves. They got real desperate. Right? Listen how bad it was. Until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until time of the offering of the uh, oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Now listen. I've... Let's just keep reading before I get crazy. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. He just didn't say it just to the people. He said it to all the people. Prophets of Baal included. Family, there's going to come a time in your life. The church is going to have to stand up and say, I need everybody to come see. I, I need all y'all to come and see. I, I'm, we're going to open the doors because everybody needs to come and see. Watch what he says. Come near to me. And the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. There's a whole other sermon in that. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes, Lord, of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And when the stones had been built, an altar in the name of the Lord, he made a trench around the altar. And I bet the prophets were going, what is this fool doing? As great as wood contained a bunch of water and seed, right? And then he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. It's really difficult, as a lot of you know, to get a fire going with wet wood. It's, it's just hard. I'm not saying it ain't impossible, because I've hung out with some rednecks. <laughs> They'll get it going. <laughs> they, they will, a little water ain't gonna stop me, praise God. But then he said, do it now a second time. Now, they were praying for, the Lord, for their Lord to come down and burn some dry wood. Now, this brother here is like, we, let's up it a little bit. Let's take it to another level. Let's go ahead and soak it down. Can you imagine the prophets about this brother's out of his mind? as they bandaged themselves up. 
and they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. And now the prophets of Baal are just pushing each other. He's Look at this guy. He's crazy. This is not going to happen. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering, the oblation, Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people, this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Y'all, this is what the Bible says. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and on the stones and all the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Mm, 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 mm. And when all of the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And now Elijah says something that is very important that we cannot just overlook. And Elijah said to them, seize. What does seize mean? Now, if I'm going to seize you, I'm going to apprehend you. If I'm going to seize you, your ability to move on your own is now rendered useless because I got you. You ain't going nowhere. You've been seized. And let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook and slaughtered them all. Family, there are things in our life that prance around and scream and stuff in your own heart. There are prophets, there are things, voices sometimes in our own life that we have to go and seize, that we've got to go and capture, that we have to capture our thoughts. We've got to capture every word that goes against the word of God in our own heart. There needs to be a moment today that you make a decision. I'm not going to listen to another voice. I'm not going to listen to another thought. I'm not going to have somebody else tell me who God is, I know who God is. I'm not going to listen to your version. I'm going to listen to God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. And this is what I know. Woo. This is what I know. That there's more to this story. I'm going to have to come back next week and finish it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Two's enough. It'll be next year before I come back. <laughs> Imagine the confidence of Mary, excuse me, of Martha, to be so disappointed but still confess her faith in Jesus. Imagine her saying, I, I know if you would have been here, things would have turned out 
differently. And he said, but I'm here now. But she said, I still believe, right? She's making a confession of faith. Imagine the confidence of David now having small battles won in his life. That's the power of small victories in your life. It's one step to another step to another step. And then sometimes you got to get fed up. This was a brother that acted out with mockery. This joker stood up there making fun of. He was fed up. He was fed up. And he made a stand. Now I want to ask you, in your life, there needs to be a seizing and a slaughtering. In our life, there needs to be a moment where we capture crazy thoughts and we just take them out. And we make a simple but bold statement. You can do what you want to do, but I know when I pray, God hears and answers prayer. He does. I've got, I've got just one more quick thing to share. You got, you got time? Praise the Lord. You're about to get out of here. This morning when I woke up, as soon as I woke up, I'm going to tell you right now, young fella, whoo, you fooling with me. He's like, no, your time is done. Boom. <laughs> I'm close. I got three minutes. This morning when I woke up, I just felt such an, an urgency to share this with you. I feel such an urgency to tell you, and, and I, don't, I don't know the full significance of what all this means, but this is what jumped in my heart this morning, that this is going to be a season of redeeming. This is going to be a season of redeeming. Now, for, for, you know, back in the day, we used to get coupons. Y'all used to go couponing? Right. What do you do with the coupon? You redeem the coupon. The coupon has no value except the one that issued the value on the coupon. It has, no, it has no value. It's no worth. It's zero. But when you take it to the one that issued it, when, when you take it back, to, listen, I'm telling you right now, family, there's going to be some things that maybe have been tucked away, words that, that God has spoken over your life that have been just tucked away, and, and it's not the right time or right season for it. But the Lord told me this morning things are about to be redeemed. There's going to be a real redeeming season. There's, there's a season of redemption that's coming. That I've got, I've got a, a ticket. I've got, and this is the imagery that I have in my mind. But I've got a ticket. I've got this. And you said I could have it. So I'm going to give it to you. And you're going to give me the benefit of what's on it. Right? I feel like a real season of redeeming is happening. And then the Lord led me to this scripture. And I want to read it to you as you guys stand and as the band comes. Because I forgot to invite the band up last week. You guys, stand to your feet. I want to read this over you. <clears throat> this is the very end of the book of Jude. And this is what Jude says. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. No, no, no. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. 
and to present you faultless before the presence of the glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I can imagine that there's a prayer in your heart that you are ready to pray over your altar this morning. I can just imagine that there's a prayer in your heart that you are ready to declare for every prophet, every person in your life that is betting against you, that is betting against success that God is in, in your life. There's a prayer that's in you this morning, and this is how I would want you to pray it. With a little bit of aggravation, with a little bit of fed upness, with a little bit of I am so tired of hearing these voices that are making no sense they're only making a bunch of noise. I am ready for Jehovah to show up and to show out in my life. So I want you to go with me. Do you have your altar ready? You've got your moment ready in your heart. Mm. Come on, let me just pray over you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these moments that we have God, where we can be just bold enough to remind everybody who you really are. That you are God in our life. Lord, it's time for outside voices to be silenced completely. God, it's time for outside things that, that have tried to take over, tried to absorb their, their effort and energy above you, God. It is time for those things to die and die today. So, Lord, we thank you, and we give you glory, and we give you honor that today the voice of the enemy is being silenced, mm. and we'll be careful to honor you in all things. In Jesus' name. Mm. Come on, just don't go anywhere. Just right here, just for a second. fire comes it's going to burn it completely when his glory falls it's going to just burn it up and what a beautiful display of God's power fully what a beautiful display of God's power in your life when you surrender fully and when you declare his glory in your life what a beautiful display. So God, let us be a city on a hill. God, let us be a light that is not easily hid away. God, let us burn for your glory. God, let, let, us, let us, God, be the, the ambassador of your great name. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bless you.